is the Electile Dysfunction Podcast with Ashton Cohen. Way more interesting than anything you're listening to on NPR. Probably less exciting than what you're watching on OnlyFans. Bruh. We're going to talk about the issues that really matter. Our country, our economy, the Fed, QE, GDP, BTC, NFTs, AOC, the CCP, Cardi B, Ow. Yeezy, Yellow Socks, Iran, Joe Biden's dementia, Come on, man. and probably sex robots. We stand for a free and open debate and exchange of ideas. And if you disagree with anything we talk about, you are a racist and no better than Hitler. What? Let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Electile Dysfunction Podcast with Ashton Cohen. I'm Ashton Cohen. I'm joined today by Charlie Winninger. Charlie is a psychotherapist and one of the leading voices discussing the benefits of MDMA and advocating for its legalization. He's written a great book on the subject entitled Listening to Ecstasy, The Transformative Power of MDMA. Charlie, thanks so much for being with me. Thank you, Ashton, for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, so I wanted to start off here, give people a bit of a background about MDMA, and then we can go into your personal history with it. Tell us about the history of MDMA, like when it was created, was it legal at one point, was it made illegal, and why? Okay, well, uh, it was created by Merck Labs back in 1912. Uh, and they didn't know quite what to do with it. They put it on the shelf, and it wasn't taken off the shelf until the 1970s when a chemist uh, in Northern California named Sasha Shulgin decided to experiment with it by recreating it and giving it to himself, his wife, and his friends. And they realized that this was something quite special. Uh, He started giving it to therapists in Northern California in the 1970s. Therapists immediately recognized it after trying it themselves. And of course, it was all legal at that point. Uh, They recognized that this would be a good drug to give their couples. So they would give their couples, they'd say, say, here are two pills. We call this pill empathy. Go home, take it, and see what happens between the two of you. And the couples would come back and report great progress in their relationship. And that's how it was used throughout much of the 1970s. As the 1980s came along, somebody who was um, enterprising gave it the name Ecstasy and realized that it was good for dancing. It's a very, very versatile chemical. Uh, And he brought it to Dallas and started giving it away in the the nightclubs, and that's where it exploded. And people didn't know about the protocols that we know about now. They didn't know that if you're dancing in a nightclub all night long where it can get hot, Mm -hmm. your body can overheat, and if you don't adequately hydrate, you can really have a problem. So people started going to the ER. And so the police started getting involved, uh, ambulance drivers and the politicians. And so then they decided to shut it down. And the FDA classified it as a Schedule I drug in 1985, saying it has a high potential for abuse and no medicinal value. Since 1985, uh, uh, and they were starting to do research with it before then, but the research was shut down. So since 1985, a man named Rick Doblin, who you may have heard of, uh, formed an organization called MAPS, 
the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, to lobby the government for the permission to do research with MDMA. He had trouble at the beginning, but then realized he knows a way to make uh, such research politically unassailable, namely by proposing that MDMA can possibly heal post-traumatic stress disorder in veterans and in survivors of sexual violence. And so after much pushing, he, uh, he uh, convinced the FDA to give them permission. They didn't, the federal government didn't give them any money. MAPS raised their own funds, uh, to, permission to research this. Now in 2022, this research is in phase three. The, so far, the results have been outstanding. What that means is they will give a veteran or a uh, rape survivor, for example, um, some preparation, preparatory sober sessions mm -hmm. with a male and female therapist, and then a session with MDMA, and then some more sessions in between, and then MDMA, more sessions in between, and then MDMA, MDMA three times with MDMA over a few months. And you have to understand, these are people who responded, they're at the edge of their, the end of their ropes. These right. are people, these phase three trials, who respond to no other treatment. Uh, antidepressants don't help them. They're desperate. They're crazed with horrible flashbacks, nightmares, uh, making their family life miserable for everyone around them. After these three sessions with MDMA, interspersed with therapy sessions, two-thirds of the people in the, in the uh, experimental group no longer met the qualifications for PTSD. Wow. Which is uh, an astounding result. That's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And so uh, at the current rate, MDMA will be a legal prescription-only drug uh, within about two years' time. Hmm. It's unbelievable. So nothing else has worked for some of these veterans and these uh, sexual assault survivors. They've tried every single procedure imaginable, and they start using this MDMA therapy, and two-thirds of them are essentially cured of it or have significant inc significant increase in their sort of livelihood and their, um, their life, right, and, their emotional life. And their life. 22 mm -hmm. veterans a day die in America by their own hand. Mm -hmm. And that's often, if not always, PTSD-related from their traumas, which can lead to alcoholism, drug addiction, etc. Right. So this is a, a very, very important issue. The VA has now started experimenting, giving MDMA to veterans. That's incredible. So there's a lot of uh, progress being made. And I don't think it's going to be illegal for too much longer. What, what, do you th what is it about in terms of the research showing about uh, MDMA that, that helps these people? Does it unlock something in the brain? What's, what's the sort of chemical reaction that's having? It's um, quite uncanny what it does. It, uh, on MDMA, your body gets flooded with serotonin. Your own serotonin gets released. Uh, and serotonin is the feeling good feeling of safety and well-being hormone. 
along with oxytocin, which is also a hormone uh, connected with empathy and bonding. So the combination of all your body being flooded with your own serotonin and oxytocin, you have a great feeling of well-being, safety, and and and, and bonding. Um, so um, because of this, what happens is, is the therapists don't sit there and say, okay, now go back to the time when uh, the mind exploded in your face. No, no, no. Um, it emerges naturally because people are feeling... The person feels safe, like they've never felt in their life. Safe so that the trauma just naturally arises. And um, and what happens is it shifts the person's relationship to the trauma. The best uh, description I heard from somebody says it's like watching a shark in a tank. So I'm out here like in an aquarium and, and the shark right. is in the tank. It's scary, it's big, it's 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 um intimidating, but I'm safe. And having that experience, that visceral experience for that day, alters the person's relationship to the trauma so that they can have the trauma and the trauma no longer has them so that they can Amazing. then process it and bring meaning to it and, and uh, process it with the, with the therapists. Uh, and that, that's what changes everything. Yeah, that's amazing. When it was made illegal, was it just a, um, a matter of people overreacting to other individuals using it as a party substance? So uh, you mentioned it started in the Dallas clubs. That's kind of like the last place I would have thought that it would really take off. It would be somewhere like Dallas in the what, 1970s. That's pretty interesting. Um, 1980s, yeah. 1980s, yeah. So is, is, or was there a more nefarious motive? And I mentioned that because I just seen, I'm not sure if you've seen the show yet, Dope Sick on Hulu. And they go into I've the heard about it. family. Mm -hmm. mm. And you yeah. see how the FDA gave a special unprecedented label to Oxycontin that they've never given before, never given since, basically saying that this is less addictive than other opioids. Uh, and and yeah, this is something, so we, we have, I think, half a million deaths in the last 10 years from opioids, large part of that is Oxycontin. Uh, but yeah, they, they reacted, seems quite swiftly, to making MDMA illegal. Do you have any insight on onto what that thought process was? I, I, well, of course, there was no profit motive uh, there because people right, that's a big one. I mean, there was just uh, individuals making their own MDMA right. and giving it out as ecstasy. Um, so they weren't lobbying the uh, the FDA or the government. Um, it was a political football. Uh, these the media sensationalizes these stories. Certainly, the overwhelming majority of people who we you were doing it in Dallas didn't have a problem, but some really did, because we didn't know at the time about the, the protocols to use, uh, and, and uh, namely hydrating appropriately during the experience, especially if you're dancing in a hot nightclub. Um, so people really did get sick, and the politicians uh, uh, who wanted to make a name for themselves uh, pushed the, the FDA to, uh, to do this. And... Um, uh, yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's what happened. Oh, I want to get back to the, sort of your your guidance and your 
your ideas in terms of the right protocols to use beforehand in, in a second. But first, I want to hear about how you came to be associated with MDMA, what your experience was like, what brought you to it? Well, I had given it up. Uh, I, I've been a, a, a what they call a psychonaut, one who uses psychedelics, for the past 50 years. And I had done MDMA a few times in the 90s, didn't know about the protocols myself, uh, and had some bad after effects. But then I got uh, divorced in 92, uh, was single for a while, and I met my second wife, Shelly, in 2000. And Shelly was out of a repressed marriage. Shelly was straight as a board, was straight as an arrow. She, she didn't, she never so much as finished a joint in her life, okay? But she was out of a repressed marriage. Um, she wanted to spread her wings and and and, and uh, expand her horizons. When she found out I was a psychonaut, she said, I'd like to try ecstasy, which floored me. Um, I didn't expect that from her, but she wanted to. So I decided uh, to, to uh, find some for her. I had to make sure it was pure. I was concerned about, I was responsible for her well-being, so I wanted to make sure it was pure and measured out right and all that. Uh, and I learned about the protocols. And so I decided, okay, what the hell, I'll do it myself with her too as well. So that first experience, I watched her wake up from as if from a long sleep, coming to in a way that, I mean, she was, in my mind, special and beautiful to begin with, but it was like she woke up and she was beaming and um, was uh, euphoric, but completely in control. Uh, and I was feeling really good myself. <laughs> and um, we spent the day just talking and stroking each other's bodies. It's not really a sexual drug. It's, re it's associated with sex a lot. It can be used with sex, but it's more a sensual drug. Um, so, you know, we would enjoy touching each other and kissing um, and talking and talking in a, in a, in a, in a deep way. And um, from then on, there was no stopping her. She really loved it. And I knew that I was responsible for her well-being. So I knew that the, uh, if you do this too often, it has uh, diminishing returns. So I limited us to four or five times a year. I always made sure it was pure and measured out correctly. Since then, for the past 20 years, we have done it about 75 times, four or five times a year or so, a little less than that. And we've never had a bad experience. It has imbued our marriage. We've been together 21 years now. Um, married since 2005. Uh, it's imbued our marriage with joy, fun, um, all these peak experiences. It's like been the icing on our cake. Mm -hmm. I've heard from different people, maybe it's a myth, that you shouldn't have sex on it. Oh, no, no, I'm not saying you shouldn't have sex. Mm -hmm. That's a myth. Um, okay. The problem is... Um, 
permission to speak freely, Ashton? Yes, please. <laughs> okay. Um, the problem with for men, it can be difficult staying hard. I see. Okay. Um, and having, they might have erectile dysfunction, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, uh, unless they take a Cialis or something like that. Um, but even then, it might be hard to climax for a man, not mm -hmm. for a woman, but for a man, mm -hmm. might be very difficult to climax. Um, so, uh, but um, we've had sex on it. It can be very, very, very lovely. And um, what we do is at the end of the role, we call an MDMA experience a role as opposed to a psychedelic trip. Um, it, there's no, it's not hallucinatory so we call it a roll at the end of the roll when as we're coming down from uh from this um uh, i smoke a little cannabis and um we have what i can only call sextasy um and that's how we that's the so-called climax to our night um and that's how that's how we end the experience, and it's glorious. How long does a sensation last on ecstasy usually? Uh, it depends whether you boost in the middle of it or not. Um, often people take uh, half the original dose, like two or three hours in. Um, mm -hmm. If you do that, um, it will last uh, six, seven, eight hours. If you don't do the oh, wow. boost, it will last four, five, six hours. Okay, so it's a long asking one. How would you describe it? So my only experience with with psychedelics were mushrooms, uh, which, which, very interesting experience. It's like a appreciation of nature is how I would I would sort of describe it. You're just, it's almost like three D plus, right? So I know some of these other like DMT or or uh, LSD may take you to a different world and. People describe different dimensions or things of that nature, whereas with mushrooms, it's like you're in the real world, but it's just – it's more enhanced. You're more appreciative. Uh, how do you differentiate between the, the experience of something like mushrooms, LSD, and, and ecstasy? Well, um, you took a mild to moderate dose of mushrooms because um, it doesn't sound like you were hallucinating. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I've, I've hallucinated on yeah, them. You're just uh, enough to enhance everything mm -hmm. around you. And it is great for being in nature, that's for sure. So visually, it's the same with, with MDMA. Uh, um, it, it's actually chemically related to amphetamine. It's, it's not in, it's a pure just amphetamine. It, amphetamine will make you jittery and it won't give you any of that uh, empathy. Um, but it is uh, an, uh, related to amphetamines. So there's no hallucinations. You're in control. You have a great feeling of well-being. Visually around you, things are slightly heightened, but not really. Mm -hmm. Tactile sensation is, is somewhat heightened. That's why people will like to uh, just stroke their arms or, right. um, or, or, or hug and kiss or fall into cuddle puddles with each other. Um, so, but it's mostly a feeling sent outward from the chest. It feels like, feels like the sun itself is rising in your heart. And how does that compare to something like LSD? Well, LSD is a hallucinogen. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, the, um, enhancement of all the senses is much more pronounced and 
it, 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 it's, it, it's famous for inducing uh, all kinds of visual hallucinations, right. auditory hallucinations. Um, you can really, if you don't know where you are and what you're doing, it can be quite disorienting. That's why with all these substances, MDMA, all these psychedelics, our mantra is set and setting. The mindset you have going in is crucial. Uh, and the setting, the, your surroundings are crucial to the quality of the experience. So if you're doing it the first time, do it at home. And if uh, you're feeling, you know, horrible that day, don't do it to feel better. That's not what you use MDMA for. Uh, you use it to uh, explore, enhance what you're feeling and explore what you're feeling and explore your relationship with the person or people that you're with. So you mentioned set and setting. Do you sort of uh, meditate before you take it? Like how do you, how, what are the protocols, not only in terms of mindset, but in terms of um, the experience that you're in and and uh, doing it in the most safe way possible? What are, what are the protocols that you undergo or that you think are necessary if anybody does this needs to first do? Good question. Uh, and I've already mentioned many of them. You have to make sure it's pure. You must right. only use pure MDMA. And mm -hmm. something sold to you as ecstasy or molly may not be pure. Something sold to you as MDMA may not be pure. The way to deal with that is to test it. You can get a test kit inexpensively and legally online, dancesafe.org dance safe just like it sounds dot org and get a testing kit uh, and it's easy to test you only use only buy and only use pure mdma and you need a scale so that you can measure it a a adequately what's the measurements that people who start off usually go with like what's too far and what's sort of a moderate amount well, let me just finish that other thought that we're, I'm talking about measuring the powder because pressed pills are usually not pure. Rarely they are sometimes, but usually not pure. So we're only using powder. And uh, the, the appropriate dose, unless it's, you have some kind of medical condition, and maybe you shouldn't do it if for certain medical conditions like heart, heart problems, um, but for somebody in good health, the standard dose is 120 milligrams and a boost of 60 that you take if you want a few hours into the experience. Who shouldn't take it? Uh, somebody with epilepsy, somebody with, um, who's pregnant, somebody who has a history of schizophrenia or paranoia, somebody who uh, is bipolar or has a history in their family of bipolar disorder because it can trigger a manic episode. Um, and somebody with heart condition. Uh, and I want to say, and uh, please listen carefully now, because I don't want people to, I'm always concerned that people are going to get uh, too free with um, this information and not, not listen carefully. My wife has a heart condition called coronary artery disease. Actually, her heart is fine, but the arteries around her heart have six stents in them, okay? So we were concerned when this happened back in 2006 that her rolling days were done. So we asked an expert, and the expert said, 
No problem. As long as your heart is okay and you're concerned about the stents and the arteries on your blood pressure and all this, take an extra beta blocker, which Shelly takes every day, an extra one before you roll. She's done that dozens and dozens and dozens of times since, and she's never had so much as a symptom. Uh, but I'm not saying I recommend it to your audience if they have any kind of heart condition, but this is Shelly's experience. But people with actual, like who've had a heart attack, for example, um, or arrhythmia or, or uh, heart conditions like this should stay away from MDMA. If you have a uh, someone you know, let's say a friend, um, and when should you be concerned in terms of when they are going too overboard with this? Is it like when they're they're doing MDMA to sit at home and watch Sports Center? Like what's what's sort of like the the you, you mentioned that four or five times a year is sort of the um, optimal ground that you guys like to take it and don't want to for, for, for us, you guys, right? For us, because because obviously you can right. tell. We're a little right. older than you are. Um, so younger people in good health um, can take it once a month without, uh, as long as they take time to replenish afterwards. It's part of the protocols also um, to uh, get a really good night's sleep. I'm 72 years old, so I get a really good night's sleep. I'll sleep for 10, 11, even 12 hours. I wake up feeling great. Um, and also uh, an over-the-counter supplement called 5-HTP, um, the night of uh, when you go to bed, and the following night, too, uh, helps replenish your serotonin. Uh, and we eat very well for the next couple of days, so we replenish our system. Um, but uh, getting back to others who are younger than us, which includes just about everyone, um, we, uh, I, I would say that if you're limited to once a month, as long as you follow these cr- protocols, you'd be okay. So if your f- friend is saying, this was fabulous, I want to be like this all the time, and he's doing it the next weekend and the next weekend, that's a danger sign. Um, because then he or she might be using it to medicate themselves uh, and to numb their pain and um, it's usually not an addictive substance, but it does have that potential for abuse. Okay. And I was looking at prior to when we started chatting that this was a study. The death rate for MDMA was two to four out of a hundred thousand users, which for, uh, comparison's sake, the death rate for smoking is 400 out of a hundred thousand, excuse me. So death rate for smoking is 400 per hundred thousand and alcohol is 50 per 100,000. So it's the data we have shows that something like tobacco or alcohol is significantly more abused than uh, MDMA. And that two to four, I'm assuming, do you think part of that is dehydration and not taking the, the right protocols? It's dehydration. It's, um, as we'll drink like a liter of water throughout the day for example. And if we're going to go dancing, because we like to do that um, uh, at, a, at a, a, a festival or something like that, we'll drink on a summer day, we'll drink more than that. Um, so uh, either uh, not hydrating enough. Some people go overboard and hydrate too much. This is especially a problem for women. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, they can like drink like, a you know, whatever it is, half a gallon of 
uh, or, or, or water or something and uh, when they, they don't need so much and that can be a problem. People also mix it with other drugs. Mm -hmm. The only drug we ever mix it with um, is cannabis. Uh, sometimes with LSD, if we want to stay home for the night and have a, and, and go to Mars for the night, um, uh, but uh, never you should never mix it with alcohol. You should never mix it with another stimulant. You should never mix it with a depressant. Uh, it can be uh, or cocaine or anything. Uh, mm -hmm. it, 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 that can be quite uh, quite dangerous. Right. What's a uh, you, you you mentioned you've never had a bad trip on it, is that right? Right, never had a bad experience with MDMA. If you take all the protocols, you think that it's it's impossible to have a bad trip, or maybe it's still possible. And if you if you do have a bad trip, how do you sort of um, function with that? How long will it last? What's what's the sort of procedure then? Well, it's not like having a bad acid trip where you're saying, "Oh my God, make it stop, make it stop." Okay, it's like. You might feel, if, if you've taken too much, for example, um, your jaw is going to be very tight and your eyes might go like that, like it's called nystagmus. It won't, it won't damage your eyes, but it will make you feel a little disoriented. Uh, you'll be hyperventilating a bit. That means that you've had too much. It's not going to... You don't have to panic. It's going to pass. Um, you just need to relax and uh, lie down and maybe listen to some calming music and slowly slow down your breath. If you're having chest pains, oh, my God, I call 911. But short of that, um, uh, you, you'll be okay unless, of course, you're dehydrated. So you have to make sure you're adequately hydrated. So we, we talked about who shouldn't use it. We talked about your, your experience with it. Make the case for why it should be legalized. Why should – and you, you've, you've gone over some of the benefits, but why, sh why should people not be concerned that it becomes legalized? Well, I, first of all, there's a, an issue of cognitive liberty. Um, I'm libertarian on this issue, and uh, so I don't think the government has the right to tell you what you can put in your body and what you can't put in your body. That's that's the political side of this. But as far as the actual benefits go, it is an exceedingly beneficial substance. I call it the chemical of, of connection. It helps you connect with yourself and your own experience and with the person you're with in a romantic way, if you're with a romantic partner, or to bond with friends. It's, it's famous for that. Uh, and... Uh, that friends take it and where, you know, some people might go to a bar and bond with friends there and and drink into the night and, and have a good experience. With MDMA, you can take it with friends like in your living room or at a park and bond with friends and the conversation can go deeper than ever uh, and it can uh, be an experience that the two, the two or four or six or eight or ten, we've done it with as many as 40 people that we've chosen and done group experiences with uh, here in Brooklyn in the park. Uh, these experiences are unforgettable, and people keep wanting to stay connected. New friendships are made for years. So it's good on that level. 
it's also good on just a purely recreational level of dancing uh, with a thousand others in wild abandon. Uh, some might consider that frivolous, but I believe that play and fun and joy can be healing and transformative experiences. And on the other end of that pendulum uh, or, or, or spectrum, besides the um, dancing the night away, uh, there is actual therapeutic, intentional therapeutic use to use it with a, uh, a, a dedicated person who will sit for you, who's trained, who knows how to sit for you, how to be there for you and guide you through the experience, a trained therapist who can help you deal with early trauma or help you deal with whatever issues you want to deal with and get to a different place. Therapists report and of course they're doing this work underground, that they can do six to 12 months worth of therapy in a day wow. with MDMA. So all these point to why it should be a legal substance and why it, 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 it will be an, a, a legal substance soon. And I believe stands in America's future as a go-to medicine for all sorts of applications, whether they be for, for um, responsible fun, or what I call serious fun, or for uh, therapeutic, therapeutic uses, not only for PTSD. Um, they're, they're experimenting now with autism and people with social anxiety and having good results so far uh, for uh, addictions uh, and, and other applications as well. So it has all sorts of applications that we're only beginning to learn about. Right, and I think another thing you didn't, you did mention was the one of the ways I look at it as well is all the prescription drugs that have been made legal, which are benefits are much more say tempered probably, and their side effects are significantly worse, and they have a uh, incredible amount of abuse associated with them, and and they're legal. And here's something that, and it's been widely reported the the research, the results that Maps has been getting with with uh, soldiers with sexual assault survivors on this. There doesn't seem to be any conceivable reason why somebody could be against it, at least for the medicinal uses. But also, you can make the argument definitely for the you know, recreational use. I mean, if if it has this these sorts of effects, you know, why shouldn't people be free to to take it? Right? I mean, try this with. We've had. We try this prohibition, yes, right? We've, <laughs> you know. That's right, and prohibition. It, it doesn't work. They call right. it a war on drugs. It's really a war on the people who use them. Um, mm -hmm. And imagine. Using a drug, accusing somebody of using it to uh, 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 and abusing it to um, suppress their symptoms or, or, or self-medicate and uh, treating them with jail. I mean, that's just right. It's, it's just idiocy. But we have had so many good experiences with MDMA, just Shelley and I, or with a group of, groups of people. I found that Ashton, over time, it started changing me. The effects were cumulative. Like I say, I've done it about 75 times over the past 20 years. And uh, it, 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 it made me lighter. Um, Shelley will tell you I'm like a heavy dude. Like, like I spent a lot of time in my head, a lot of time ruminating and um, having all sorts of uh, worries and frets and all that. But over time, MDMA was speaking to me and said, saying, you know, 
Charlie, do you remember that Mark Twain quote that says, uh, in my life I've been uh, beset by multitude of adversities, some of which actually happened? Um, look at your life, Charlie. You could worry and worry and worry, but you've had an enormously blessed, happy, good life with all the blessings of of, of, of being in this country. And... Um, Maybe you should lighten up. And, uh, and so I started listening to what this MDMA was telling me, and so I decided to write a memoir about it called, and called it Listening to Ecstasy. Um, and uh, it, because I, I needed to come out of the, the closet about this and share, share the, share the wealth, share the wealth of information. Yeah, that's that's very interesting, and I should also mention the, the other benefit of it being legal is people can actually get, as you said, the MDMA, the pure MDMA. I think one of the biggest problems there's clearly a demand for it that doesn't go away. It's I was mentioning to you prior that a good percentage of the people, whether they're left, right, center, whatever, whatever their political persuasion is, that I know have taken this, um, and it's 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 demands just probably increases every year, it's, or at least staying stagnant. Um, and so the problem is, is they're relying on some drug dealer right. who may have gotten it from someone else, or he may himself have laced it with meth or fentanyl or something of that nature. And that creates excess mortality that could have otherwise been avoided. Uh, right. So I, I think that... The drug war kills people, Ashton. Yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. I, I think a lot of aspects of it have been terribly misguided do you know by the way are there any countries that make this legal for recreational use as of this moment well uh, i know canada just liberalized their uh, laws and uh, uh, concerning psychedelics uh portugal also is another country that has very liberal uh drug laws i don't know if it's if it's legal in these places or simply decriminalized so it's not right. prosecuted mm -hmm. And so they're in, they're in stage three for the therapeutic process. What's your – what do you anticipate in terms of it's being approved for therapeutic use? And what timeline do you think where we would start having states in this country you know, at least decriminalize it or uh, essentially legalize it for non-medical uses? Well, it's the states, as you know, uh, are often ahead of the federal government with, with these matters. Right. Um, so states are starting, or most municipalities are starting to uh, decriminalize or legalize psilocybin, for example, for magic mushrooms. Um, I don't believe any of them have done the same with MDMA, though I think it's not far behind. The federal government, at the current timeline, by the end of 2023, it should be a prescription medication. Wow. Okay. That's really soon. Well, yeah, let's uh, let, let's see how it goes. I think that we need to, you know, challenge ourselves these conversations and ask ask ourselves critically about why certain things are illegal and why certain things are. And you know, I'm all I'm all about freedom. So I think that I have some issues with with some of the drugs that are more on the abuse side of things, like meth or heroin. I don't I I can't bring myself to believe that those could ever be legal. But for something for the psychedelics, I think that there there really is no conceivable reason that they should be. So we'll have to monitor where that goes. Uh, book is called 
listening to ecstasy the transformative power of mdma i'll put it over in the show notes charlie thanks so much for being with me thank you for having me on ashton i much appreciate it if you enjoyed our show please click subscribe to stay up to date with our youtube channel and podcast and give us a five-star rating on apple Podcasts so that we can keep delivering guys some great content thanks for listening and we will be back next week we're going to talk about the issues that really matter our country our economy the fed qe gdp btc nfts aoc the ccp cardi b Yeezy, yellow socks iran joe biden's dementia come on man and probably sex robots we stand for a free and open debate and exchange of ideas and if you disagree with anything we talk about you are a racist and no better than hitler what let's get started